Welcome back into this week's episode of the Two Point Conversion Pod, the pod that you come to each week to get your college football and NFL picks. Last weekend was an exciting weekend, I thought, in both both the NFL and college. We had the most streamed game ever in the history of streaming between Alabama and Texas. You and I both watched that game. Just crazy amount of penalties in that game, and the fact that Alabama pulled it out. We sweat, We watched that together. We actually live bet Alabama. Yeah, I actually got a pretty good play on Alabama. Uh, Texas was up too late. Bryce Young had the ball with like a minute and a half. That was the easiest money I made all week. Got Alabama plus 110 on that. Uh, so that kind of helped recover off some of the bets I had made. Uh, unfortunately, South Carolina just looked like a completely different team in week two. Uh, was able to salvage that bet as well, betting it live. I got a uh, plus 20 and a half number that was able to get home on that one as well, Levi. Oh, oh did you get a, a plus a live plus 20 and a half? <laughs> so Levi and me are watching the game together. I kind of just made a little doghouse bet, didn't tell him I was doing it. He rode with me on the South Carolina game last week in our double trouble. Unfortunately, we were not able to get that home for the first time in a while. Uh, but yeah, it was a little sneaky sneak on that one and was able to make my money back. Unfortunately, Levi had to go another route. Yeah, just just know like if you're gonna bet with the homies, like just keep them up to date. You know, no no man left behind on betting. I would say it was a pretty even weekend for me too. When I started to tally it up on Sunday morning, I I barely finished north of just even. But hey, you know what? Sometimes betting is about not going backwards. You know, we're gonna have days where we have to battle, days where we split games we thought would go the other way. I honestly, at this point in my betting career, I look at breaking even on a Saturday as a win. As long as we're not going totally into the negative, we'll 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 get it back. Yeah, I thought I made some good pivots on the Saturday slate. Uh, really was able to come out a little bit positive as well. I think I was up just about a unit. I was having a great NFL game day. Obviously, the Bears money line got there. That was a big call for me last great week. Call. We'll talk about that later. Uh, but really, what fucked me is I was I just laid too heavy on that teaser last week. And that was just a betting mistake on my part. I just trusted the Colts. I trusted the Ravens. And uh, clearly the Colts don't trust their kicker anymore as he was cut today for missing that game-winning field goal attempt. Truth be told, for as bad as he missed, what was it, like a 45-yard field goal? Uh, it's just, that doesn't that doesn't cut it in the NFL. But I was with you on that tease. We did both lose that. There is sort of a... It's a little trappy on a teaser. You do get less odds. So you're looking at that payout and you're thinking, man, I got to get two games right for this little bit of a payout. You start to lay a little bit heavier, but we'll be back on the winning track this week. As always, you can find us on Twitter at the two point. That's the number two. And as we mentioned last week on the ch- on the pod, we have a TikTok channel up now. So th- these are reaction videos that we have. And, and sometimes we'll even put up live bets, which, you know, those things... It's important. We I think we won what two bets just this last weekend on live bets. So you got to pay attention. You know, there's value to be had when the numbers change, uh, and that's just something I think we only got better at recently. You know, that's something you kind of grow into in your betting career. Yeah, definitely look for a couple live plays on the TikTok this weekend. Me and Levi are actually going to be down in New Orleans celebrating my bachelor trip. We're going to be in the casino a little bit. Probably lay a couple live uh, bets there at Harrah's in. Uh, in the casino, so I'm sure that we'll probably bet, be betting a little bit big, maybe a little too many drinks flowing, but it uh, should be a good time. Just like last week, we've got a full slate for you, college football and the NFL, so I'm not going to delay any more than I did last week. We're going to hop right into our college football bet of the week. That is our double coverage bit. Unfortunately, Josh had already introduced this. We didn't get it home quite with South Carolina on 8.5. 
We thought for a second they might, but Rattler had a really, really sus intentional grounding call in the end zone that resulted in a safety. But We were close. There was a pick six, or not a pick six, but a uh, interception in the red zone. South Carolina's special teams were awful, awful last week. Missed an extra points. Horrible punts. That was one of the things we really liked about them in week one. Uh, I guess we'll find out who they really are this week and if we just caught them on a bad week or what. But uh, I think we have a good play here, Levi. I'm going to start us off with the double coverage. We got Liberty at Wake Forest. I like the Liberty side here, catching 17 points. I was on the wrong side of Liberty last week. I had UAB laying 6.5 in Lynchburg, and it did not play out well for me. I like Liberty here, Levi. I think they're getting a little bit slept on. They are 2-0. and They're flying under the radar. After the Malik Willis hype is gone, obviously he's in the NFL. You know, everybody talked about him going to the Titans. They really like him as a prospect. They also had quarterback Charlie Brewer, who's transfer god. He uh, <laughs> he ended up at Liberty this year after losing the the Utah job as well as the Baylor starting jobs the last few <laughs> seasons. Uh, and he kind of caught a good one here, getting hurt week one, I think it was. He broke his hand, and so he didn't have to lose a job because he was horrible. Uh, but what we have seen here is one and a half weeks of four-star redshirt freshman Kadon Salter. Uh, I think this is going to be a name that you want to remember. I think Hugh Freeze found himself another good player here. Uh, Salter won overtime uh, versus Southern Miss. Kind of a pressure cooker. Went to four overtimes in that game. I thought he showed a lot of resolve uh, for really being his first action as a college quarterback. I don't think Southern Miss is great, but they did push Florida last week. They had them 10-7 to at halftime. Florida ended up regrouping at the half and kind of blew them out. Um, and then kind of as Levi alluded to, uh, last week he was on UAB. UAB a six-point favorite. And uh, Liberty looked good. They actually won that game. I really like what I've seen out of Salter. He's a dual-threat quarterback. He's rushed for 144 yards through two games, thrown for another 350 yards. And really this hasn't even been a full two games. He... Uh, he didn't come in in the first game until after Brewer got hurt. They, they messed around with another quarterback a little bit in that game. So this has really been about six quarters of, of production for him. And like I said, he's got almost 500 total yards. I, I like the weapons on Liberty's side as well. They have Caleb Sneak. He is a transfer from Campbell. He put up 73 catches, 100, or 10 touchdowns, and over 1,000 yards last year. And then Demario Davis looks to be the real deal. Uh, he's coming off a 50-catch season, over 700 yards and six touchdowns last year, playing with Malik Willis. So I like the weapons here. I think Wake Forest is a good team. They are 2-0 against the spread to start the year. I, I like Sam Hartman. I think you know the love for him is deserved, but I just don't trust Wake Forest's defense here. I think this is just too many points, Levi. I do think the Sam Hartman love is justified, so... He came back last week. We didn't really get an explanation as to why he was ever out. I don't really think it matters at this point. People are going to be asking less questions about that. He had four touchdowns and a 300-yard day against Vanderbilt, that Clark Lee defense that he's known for. Um, look, Hartman's going to go to the NFL, so I'm not, I'm not too worried about Sam Hartman. I think he'll just be fine. The rest of the offense, though, the running back kind of had a tough day. They only had 3.8 yards per carry against Vanderbilt. But overall, the metrics look pretty good here. Wake is top 35 in offensive success rate, but they're pretty low in explosiveness. So this is a methodical offense. They're going to take their time. They'll stay on schedule, keep short downs and distances. Wake was just 3-3 three three at, at home as favorites in 2021. 
Now, that stat can be a little bit overrated, especially as we cross-reference that with TARP. But for the most part, the important people are back for Wake. And so I tend to trust that record a little bit more, right? Only 500 at home as favorites. And that was on an average of 2.4 points covering the spread. So they had some games where they really stunk it up as favorites. But defensively, you know, we've said enough offensively about Wake. The numbers look pretty good here for Wake, too. They've been top 50 in defensive success rate to start the year. They rank top 30 in defensive havoc. And they limit explosiveness pretty well. But it's important to remember... Early in the year, these stats get inflated by weak competition, right? Wake has played Vanderbilt, and I can't even recall who they played in their first game. It was an absolute blowout. But we just. They played VMI. They played VMI, which is going to be the home of Scott Frost starting next year after his recent departure from Nebraska. But we always got to take this with kind of a grain of salt that the, the results on this. But. Look, Wake is not a bad team. We know that, right? They've, they've played sort of an easy schedule. They're a ranked team. Sam Hartman is probably an NFL quarterback. But it's what Josh said, right? It's that we can like both teams. That's not the problem. I think the problem here is that the points are just too high. I, I like Liberty to keep pace in this game. Yeah, I could see this being a game where kind of Wake Force keeps the stiff arm on them a little bit. Maybe like a one-touchdown game a lot of the game. Um, and even if Wake pulls away late and, and goes up by two touchdowns, we're still covering here. I, I think that this quarterback, like I alluded to, has just kind of been through the ringer the first two weeks, two tough matchups. I think getting this Wake Forest defense could be a really good uh, fit for him. And I also think that Wake Forest could maybe hide a little bit this week, Levi. They may not put Sam Hartman out there uh, trying to throw as many touchdowns as last week because you know who they have on the slate next week. Ooh, we have a look-ahead spot? Look-ahead spot. They are playing Clemson at home. That's a 12 o'clock start on ABC. So I could see Wake Forest kind of, you know, like I said, they're 2-0. I could see them kind of just maybe like looking past Liberty here this week. They play Clemson next week, Florida State the following week, and then Army. So I, I think they may be getting slept on a little bit. I think that Liberty has a little bit more uh, juice than they're probably getting credit for. I definitely love look-ahead spots because we have to consider that players are people, right? We tend to look at numbers in a spreadsheet and names on a on a box score, and we forget that these are real people that come into these matchups. It matters that Wake Forest goes against Clemson next week because if they get up by a lot, which we don't think will happen, but if they get up by a lot, they might start pulling guys off the pl- off the off the field, and that could lead to a backdoor cover. So we've kind of got multiple game flows, multiple outcomes that we'll be okay with. All right, I think that wraps up the double trouble game. I'm going to go ahead and jump into my first pick, if that's all right with you, Levi. Yeah, go for it. All right, I'm, I'm living life dangerous here. I'm taking Pitt minus 10 versus Western Michigan. Uh, this game is actually in Western Michigan. Uh, and guess who's back? Back again. Shady? Jake is back. Oh, Jake, okay. I don't back, I don't back, I don't back, Salopack. I already faded Jake Salapak once this year versus Michigan State. I do remember this weird last name. This worked out for me in week one. I'm going back to the well. He hasn't looked bad. Honestly, he kind of impressed me in the second half versus Michigan State. But this is still, you know, he's only got one passing touchdown through two games. I think he's going to have to have a career day to keep up with the scoring of Pitt, who's averaging 32.5 points per game versus two actual Power 5 winning programs in West Virginia and Tennessee. The scary part here, Levi, because this seems like a smash play at first glance, the scary part here is Pitt will likely be without Kadon Slovis, 
there's a chance he still plays. Uh, he hurt his elbow last week in the game versus Tennessee, which honestly they probably were going to win that game if Slovis didn't get hurt at the beginning of the second half. Hmm. Nick Patty came in. He actually looked decent in backup role, kept him in the game. They ended up losing that game by seven. He was kind of limping around, so we could honestly have Pitt on their third-string quarterback here, who is grad transfer Derek Kyler. You're still not, you're still not going away from it. Yeah, I'm not. I like it. Uh, Derek Kyler, 18 and two as a starter at Dartmouth. Interesting. I think this guy might low-key be able to sling it a little bit if he gets the opportunity, especially when you put Power Five weapons against Western Michigan. Um, worst case, worse, we go three-star prospect Nate Yarnell. Uh, who's really kind of in that third-string, fourth-string role right now. Um, so I, I like Pitt. I think they have the advantage in the trenches here. And then kind of just touching back on Western Michigan, you know, they barely beat 0-2 Ball State last week, 37-30. to They gave up 450 yards to Ball State. <laughs> we saw Peyton Thorne scorch them for four touchdowns in the air in week one, along with 200 yards on the ground. I just don't trust this Western Michigan defense at all, no matter who's under center. I think this number is disrespectful, minus 10. I like Pitt. If Slovis plays, this is a freaking smash spot. I wouldn't be shocked if Slovis gets ruled into the game if this thing jumps up to 20. Look, man, you're a madman. I I can't say that I would tell you on this just because the uncertainty at quarterback is enough for me to stay away from it. And I, I haven't really watched a whole lot of Western Michigan, but... By all means, man, make make the play. I mean, call your shot. I mean, just give me the team who's actually played competition this year and actually is 2-0 in this. I think this is an overthink play if you don't take Pitt. Uh, and I think you're just going to see some Power 5 athletes on display. And I also think Pitt's defense is due for some positive regression. They only have one interception so far this year. So I could see this kind of being their turnover game. So that's where I'm going for this first game. And like I said, I was talking familiar territory. Levi already made a play on NC State this year. It looks like you're going back to the well here. I made an awful... Well, I made a good live play on NC State in week one against ECU. But I was not smart in the fact that I hate betting against ECU because you don't know what Holt Nailers you'll get. Bottom line, NC State should have won that game. I I can't get back into this. Anyway... I've got NC State this week at home, laying 10 against Texas Tech. Texas Tech has had a great start to the year. They've surprised a lot of people. Joey McGuire comes over from Baylor. He was the associate head coach there, worked with the linebackers. So he's a part of that Baylor defensive tree. Uh, and he's got Texas Tech surprising people. Uh, I think I think we're all pleasantly surprised with the rebuild there. Texas is coming off, or Texas Tech is coming off an overtime dogfight win against a talented Houston team. They... It was touch and go there for a minute. I had Houston plus three and a half in that game, and I won the bet only because Texas Tech didn't need to kick a field goal in overtime. Thank God. They outgained Houston 468 to 354, but they did lose the turnover battle three they did lose the turnover battle three to one. They had three interceptions. This Red Raiders offense is mostly a passing offense. They're gonna they rank top twenty in pass play rate, and their quarterback Donovan Smith is easily the best player on the offense. Houston really couldn't manage a whole lot against Texas Tech in the run game. They only surrendered three yards per carry. And the Red Raiders are top ten in defensive line yards. So the game results are kind of backed up by advanced metrics here. The overall look, 
from Texas Tech, we're going to throw the ball a lot, we think we can score, and our defense will control the run game. Are you taking Texas Tech in this game, or are you taking NC State? Hold on, we're getting to NC State. You are doing just a slob knob job on Texas Tech We're getting right to now. NC State. So, NC State last week, we can't really glean a whole lot. They scheduled a gimme game against Charleston Southern. Uh, but we learned in week one, they do have some vulnerabilities. One thing I know about NC State, I really don't, I didn't love a lot of the decision-making from their coaching staff. Offensively, NC State is going to be an equal run-pass team, 50-50. They do, they do both of them pretty equally. Leary struggled in the ECU game. He only had a QBR of 30.3 through a crucial pick at the end of the game, but I still trust his talent. I do like his arm talent. Watching that game, I did say, wow, he's made some NFL throws here. So I do like Leary as a prospect. They have a running back that I just refer to as Sumo. Uh, he was really impressive. I think he's a productive running back who's able to shoulder the load for them. And SP Plus loves NC State. I will reference SP Plus a hundred times on this podcast this season because it's a great, clean, packaged statistic that tells us our team's as really good as we think we are, as, as we think they are. And they have NC State as having the 14th best defense. The defense is going to carry NC State, uh, but I do like the offensive pieces. So. There's a reason State is ranked in the top 15 teams. When we compare both of these teams side-by-side in advanced metrics, they're pretty much mirror images of each other. They are pretty much the same in offensive success rate, total havoc, defensive rushing success rate, offensive passing success rate, line yards. Um, So these teams are really close to each other, which may make you think, okay, well, why wouldn't I just take the points with Texas Tech? But again, I'd referenced this before, in the double trouble game, but in 2021, NC State was four and two against the spread as a home favorite, covering by an average of seven and a half points in those contests. So the track record is here for NC State. I think this is the week they show this is why we belong in the top 15, and I think you should back the Wolfpack in Raleigh. I do like that NC State's home here. They were on the road at ECU. I think that actually played a huge part in that uh, in that game for them. Um, so I, I do like this play, Levi. I like taking the uh, the home favor here. Okay, and with that, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say one more nice thing about Texas Tech because I just get yelled at. So I'm gonna throw it back to Josh. He can have the mic. I'm gonna back off here for a sec. Josh, where are you going for your second pick? I'm I'm a little bit scared about this game. I'm not gonna lie. I'm taking Michigan State plus three and a half at Washington. Now, I could start this off, go ahead and just talk for two, three minutes about how Washington is so great, but I'm going to leave that to Levi. I'm going to talk about the team that I'm taking here. Um, I think that Michigan State should be somewhat familiar with Washington quarterback Michael Penix, a four-year player in the Big Ten at Indiana. Somehow he's listed as a junior still after five years of college football. I guess, like, COVID year, like... Injury, Injury. redshirt. He got hit a community chess card that said, "Get one more year of eligibility." I, I I love that the fact that I know so many college players right now because they've been around forever. But I'm ready for some fresh faces. It's impossible to track eligibility. But speaking of Penix, he's on on a godly pace right now, averaging 340 passing yards a game, three touchdowns per game. I just don't think he's this good. We've known him more as a running quarterback, something he hasn't really shown in the first two weeks of the season here. I'm wondering if Washington was kind of sitting on that part of the game, kind of like holding out holding out for this Michigan State game. 
And, and the Washington State weapons outside of Penix, I mean, they look great. Like, they look fantastic. They've played Kent State and Portland State. Like, you should be averaging six yards a carry and seven weak yards schedule. a carry. Definitely like, weak schedule. Those two teams combined are 0-4 to start the year. I'm not I'm not going to give Washington a pat on the back like, oh, your stats look great, your advanced stats look ba- great, your SP Plus looks great. Like, play somebody. So we're going to find out who Washington is this week. I think defensively, they lost starting corners, Trent McDuffie and Kyler Gordon to the NFL. First those and are, second round I mean, picks. Those are big losses for a program that's really not in the top 15 each year. This will be their first real test. Fortunately for them, Michigan State receiver Jaden Reed is questionable in this one. I'd say it's 50-50. Mel Tucker was a little ambiguous when they asked him if he was going to play. He said he was sore, and he'll be back when he's back. So I don't Mm -hmm. know Mel Tucker well enough to kind of decipher that. Um, But Michigan State, this is a part of the game where I'm just frightened, Levi. Because so far, I think that Michigan State has proven that they're a better team. But Michigan State opened this game as two-point favorites. And for whatever reason, the bigwigs out in Vegas have just steamed Washington five and a half points across the money line, all the way to make Washington State three and a half point favorites. I don't know what they see that I don't know. I like this game. Michigan State has my motherfucking guy, Peyton Thorne. <laughs> I will back Peyton Thorne. He struggled last week versus Akron, but they won the game like 51 and nothing. I'm not worried about him. I think he's going to have a big bounce back spot. And I also think that Michigan State's running backs are just studs. They got Berger. They got Broussard. Both those guys combined have ran for nearly 400 yards through two games. I just look for Michigan State to be able to handle this game. It is on the road. That makes me a little bit nervous. But I like this game. is not incredibly late. It's 7 o'clock start time, I think. Let me just confirm the, uh, the start time on this one. Yeah, 7.30 Eastern time. So it's not like Michigan State is going out to Washington and they're playing a 10 p.m. start because that would make me a little bit nervous. But they're basically starting at normal time for them. And Michigan State needs this game because they're about to start an absolute brutal stretch. They play Minnesota the following week. Then they're on the road at Maryland who can put up points on anybody. Then they play Ohio State. Then they play Wisconsin. And then they play at Michigan. So this is just a brutal stretch for them over the next six weeks. This might be the last time I feel confident jumping on my guy Payton Thorne. So I had to do it. Give me the plus three and a half. Honestly, if this game continues to steam, I'm just going to double down. I don't care if this game gets to seven. Like I just think it's gone too far. I think Michigan State is a good team. I like them on offense. I like their running backs. And I like Payton Thorne. Like, I don't even care if Jaden Reed plays. Like I think this is a smash spot for me. It's really strange, the line movement on this, that... Michigan State would open as two-point favorites on the road at Washington. And then for the line to move, what, five and a half points? It's just strange. So I'm wondering what's going on there. I don't, that's definitely I don't not, it's definitely not all Jaden Reed. I don't know if it's a little bit of paint thorn. He, like I said, he struggled last week. He threw no touchdowns. He had two picks. He hasn't looked fantastic. Even Western Michigan, he didn't have a good second half. Mm. But I just think like those games, like they were meant to win those games. I'm looking for him to bring his A-plus game. He knows he has to be better in order to win this game. And I just don't trust Michael Penix. I think he's fine. Like, he's a fine college quarterback. But he's not a 400-yard passing quarterback that everybody's seen through two weeks. I can't say I'm going to tell you on that one either, but... What would Iowa give up for a 400-yard passing quarterback? Uh, interesting you would say that, because I have chosen an absolute <laughs> poop bowl 
for my second game. But it makes sense. I've got the under 39 in Nevada, Iowa. I can't believe I'm taking an an under where the total's under 40 and it's not Service Academy versus Service Academy. But here we are. Both of these teams have been absolute dumpster fires. I had referenced this in our first pot of the year. Nevada lost Jay Norvell over to Colorado State, and he took a lot of offensive pieces with him. doesn't really look like it's helped him at all. Colorado State's still kind of a problem. But Nevada's tarp is incredibly low. They lost pieces off their defense that transferred elsewhere. They've had a hilarious opening schedule of New Mexico State, Texas State, and they lost this last week to Incarnate Word in a 55-41 to shootout. Nevada's got two wins against New Mexico State, Texas State. Those teams are both bottom six in SP+. Nevada is near dead last in Havoc allowed. I think if Nevada played UConn right now, UConn would be 17 to 20 point favorite. I, Nevada is dog water. I'm pretty sure it's NC-17 to even put that game on TV. Nevada's dead last in Havoc allowed, and Iowa's top 50 in defensive Havoc. So... Just a quick refresher, Havoc, we're talking about tackles for loss, forced fumbles, and passes defensed. So when there's such a big disparity, it's really hard for me to envision Nevada's going to be able to move the ball, especially when they're near dead last in Havoc allowed with that shitty schedule. Offensively, they're 65th in offensive predicted points added, so middle of the pack, basically, they're just average offensively in that statistic. If we look at Iowa, what do we even need to say? We all know. They've been all over ESPN. They're awful. Iowa's offense is historically bad. They are literally dead last in PPA. So all the pieces they have on their offense, their success rate, everything baked in, they are dead last in expecting to put points on the board. The weird thing with Iowa this year, they've been uncharacteristically dominated at the line of scrimmage. Usually Iowa's putting dudes in the first round of the NFL draft. This year, ain't it. They're 127th in offensive line yards. I can't believe I'm actually saying that. It just sounds weird. Spencer Petras, I don't know why he's so bad. He's suppo- I mean, he's your, he's your senior leader. I would think he would be on a good pace this year. Through two games, he's got a 45% completion percentage. He's got 201 passing yards, no scores, and two interceptions. And Iowa hasn't played a really hard schedule. <laughs> they played, what, South Dakota or South Dakota State in their first game? Lost to Iowa State in the second game, who has no four-star prospects. Talked about that last week. I want to blow my brains out. I don't know how they lost that game. The one thing Iowa does do well, though, they are top 20 in defensive success rate. So that paired with how shitty Nevada's offense is, all the, all the signs they've put out here so far, they're pointing to the under. I get it. It's a really low total. But do you really see this get hitting the over? I mean, really? Would you put money on this hitting the over? I have kind of a thing where I don't ever take the under in a game under 40 points, NFL, college. This is the one time where I'm okay with it because I don't think Iowa can score 20 points in a game, let alone 30. And Nevada's so bad. Like, I would be shocked if Nevada scores more than seven in this game. So I like the play here. I think that neither team can score the ball. I think Iowa's defense is the only thing keeping their coach in in Iowa. And... I mean, like you said, the weather's even calling for it. Right. I think this is a smash spot. I'm actually going to ride with this, and I never ride with a total this low. Josh had mentioned the weather really quick. I was going to touch on that. But uh, Iowa City is expecting high winds on Saturday. It's projected to be 13 miles per hour wind. 
And we know that in high wind games, the under is an excellent play. So take the under, cover your eyes, spend time with your kids, tell your wife you love her, flip on a different game, just just fucking set it and forget it. This is my first time. I did this a lot last year where Levi would just sell me on a game mid-podcast. And this is my first time. I'm Let's jumping go. in. I'm jumping in. I just live bet it right here at the computer. Uh, you know, I love it. Love it. So I that put- that actually wraps up our college section this week. We're going to go ahead and give you a quick recap. Josh and I have come together. We're taking Liberty, getting 17 points on the road at Wake. Josh went ahead and is laying 10 with Pitt at home against Western Michigan. I've got NC State laying 10 at home against Texas Tech. He's got Michigan State getting three and a half on the road at Washington. And as I just sadly recapped, we have the under 39 in Nevada, Iowa. All right, guys. Well, as Levi said, we kind of just wrapped up our college football section for the week. We're going to be releasing this in two parts. So uh, this is going to be the end of the college football uh, part portion of the pod. Uh, we're releasing this on Thursday morning. For the NFL portion, we are going to be releasing that on Friday this week. And so just check back in the uh, Apple Podcast Store or Spotify, wherever you guys listen to us. Lego.